Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Julie, when you were a kid, did you ever make uh, mud pies? All the time. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Do you remember any of your recipes? Um, I just remember an inordinate amount of them because it was rural Michigan, right? So there wasn't a lot to do um, at that time. And so I just remember making them by the side of the house. And I used my hands mostly to shape them, though. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we, we did as well. Me and my sisters, We there was a, a faucet behind the house. There was like a concrete slab back there for some reason. And then uh, just dirt. So we would uh, you know, we'd add some water to the, to the dirt, create mud, pack that mud into uh, pie tins and also mini pie tins. And then you, you leave them out there on the slab. They bake. They dry. They become... Uh, Delicious pies. <laughs> and that's when you cut a slice and you eat it, right? I, I, you know, I don't know if I ever did, but I was the older of the kids, and uh, it's entirely possible that the my younger siblings ate some of the mud pies. And you know what? That's not probably a surprise to any parent because all parents know that at some point their kid is going to be chomping on something, some sort of non-food item that they shouldn't be. But it turns out that dirt eating, which is called pica, which is actually a lot more than dirt eating, is um, so much more common than anybody has ever really realized. Yeah. Also known as geophagy, if you want to get a little fancier. Yeah, it's pretty fancy. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked about the benefits of pre-mastication and regurgitation in other podcasts, so we thought, you know what, why not talk about dirt eating, because it's kind of fascinating stuff. Yeah. Now, from a very broad viewpoint, there's nothing really that weird about it. I mean, there are organisms that eat minerals. The mineral crunching bacteria, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, exist. And then uh, just in any diet, I mean, what, what do you think you're doing when you put salt on something? You're adding a little mineral right. to your diet. It's, it's not crazy. Um, likewise, uh, various medications that we take have some sort of mineral component to mm-hmm. them. So there's nothing just off the wall nuts about eating dirt, eating minerals, eating essentially rocks. Yeah, and you've probably even witnessed your dog or cat eating something that's a non-food item. Yeah, especially Uh, dogs. Yeah, especially dogs. In fact, you might have even witnessed Fido chomping down on a chunk of poo before, right? Yeah, especially cat poo. This happens. I love that stuff. Um, It's called a corpophagia, and it actually means that your dog could have a vitamin deficiency or even a touch of OCD. And this is something we're going to talk about more in humans later. Uh, But before we uh, really kind of get into the meat of this or the dirt of it, let's talk a bit about what it is, um, how it's characterized. Uh, Pica actually comes from the Latin word for magpie, since the magpie bird will eat just about anything. Mm -hmm. And it's been thought of uh, as a physiological eating disorder. And as you have noted, it's also called geophagia or earth eating. And in humans, it's mainly pregnant women and pre-adolescent children who exhibit pica eating behavior. And again, when we talk about pica, it's most associated with dirt, but it can be a lot of different things. It can be clay. It can be starch. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at some um, some reports. We're talking about ice, uh, pregnant women that experiencing uh, pica, and uh, half of them are eating ice, uh, which is... Uh, Pagophagia, which is different. I mean, eating a bunch of ice is you're just drinking a lot of water, except with more crunch, right? Yeah, and some yeah. people say that it's a texture thing, and it can be a stress thing when it comes to yeah, ice. Yeah, soothing on the tongue and all that. Yeah. Now, with with children, obviously, children 
very young children will try and eat just about anything. That's why you don't give them micro machines to play with. That's why you, <laughs> you, you limit things in their environment that can go down their mouth or up their nose because it's just part of the, the testing out their environment. What can I eat? What can I not? What goes fits up my nose? What doesn't quite fit up my nose? Yeah, but then there's this other little section um, that kind of veers off into the other territory, and it's more about compulsive eating. And that's where you see very unusual non-food items. So we're talking about cigarette ashes, toothpicks, athletic socks, hmm. dust, balloons, paint chips, hair, and burnt matches. Oh, yeah, the hair one's big. You do see that. Yeah, and depending on the uh, the item that's being eaten, picket could lead to health problems like lead poisoning from the paint chips or constipation from starch or clay intake. Because everything in moderation. Don't, yeah. Don't go out right. and eat just a whole lot of pizza. Don't go out and drink an exorbitant amount of water. And if you're going to eat gym socks, <laughs> keep, keep it down to like one or two pairs tops, right? Yeah, right. But see, that's the problem, right? If you're eating gym socks, it's probably because you have a compulsion to do so. Right. So there's something, yeah, there's a, it's a psychological disorder at that point. Yeah. So this podcast is really going to talk about two different aspects of PICO. One is more of sort of the cultural aspects and the nutritive aspects, and the other is going to be more of the psychological and sort of the, the compulsion aspect of it. But I did want to man- mention that, uh, Pika has been around for a long time. Uh, the first written account of human geophagy comes from Hippocrates more than 2,000 years ago. So, yeah, so we've been eating dirt for quite some time. And yeah. I've also read accounts, um, and I don't know to what degree they were accurate now that I think about them, but you at least find stories in which individuals are so hungry that to set, to satisfy their hunger on some level, they will eat non-food items. And certainly there have been plenty of times where food items have been panned out. Like uh, during the Second World War, there were mm-hmm. times when they would add, uh, say, wood shavings, uh, sawdust to, uh, to say, flour or something, you know. And it's not really a food item, but you can sort of try and make your, your food stretch a little little farther by doing that. You're right, and filling up your belly, right? right? So if you eat a bunch of clay, then maybe that can stem off your hang- your hunger for a little while. Right. Um, so let's talk about the cultural aspect of this, because in some cultures, both inside and outside the United States, it really is not uncommon for, say, women to consume clay or dirt during pregnancy. And that's where we mm-hmm. most associate pika. And it's interesting. I, I didn't find any sources that really went into this. But by the mere fact that you see pregnant women engaging in it, I feel like there's a huge amount of sexism in our cultural history with pika, because... Women are the ones that are are eating it, mm-hmm. and they're doing so while they're pregnant. And so, in many cultures, I mean, you 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 can easily imagine it being explained away as, "Oh, it's crazy pregnant ladies. Of course, they're going to do crazy things." Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, as, as we're discussing, there are a number of other <laughs> possibilities at work here beyond just mere madness. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it is an aspect of uh, cultural bonding that mm-hmm. that women, pregnant women, will eat clay or, or some other substance because it's what's done in that community. Right. And there's this idea that it could stave off uh, symptoms of pregnancy like nausea. Yeah. And then sometimes it has to do with vitamin deficiencies, which we'll talk about a little bit more. Um, yeah, but certainly yeah, the culture aspect is just one huge part there. If you're in, yeah. a, if you're in an environment in a culture where it is accepted that the consuming clay or some sort of mineral during this time is beneficial and, and okay, then obviously you're going to go for it. Whereas in other areas, it's going to be basically a taboo. It's just going to be, you know, it's um, who eats dirt. 
Yeah, it's kind of like, what what is that cultural norm there, yeah. right? So if you're in Kenya or Uganda, uh, dirt eating is not going to be so weird because it could be used in ceremonial or religious yeah. practices. But then uh, half a world away, somebody else is bringing their own cultural bias to it, and they're saying, whoa, look at these backwards people in this backwards country eating dirt like a moron. But they're just, because they have their cultural blinders on, they don't realize that it is essentially a, a normal act. Yeah, let me uh, share this historical tidbit with you, because I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, in Psychology Today's Brain Sense column, uh, it's pointed out that clay eating and soil eating were common in the 1800s, especially among slaves in the American South. Mm-hmm. And that in the 50s and 60s, the practice was so popular that clay-filled lunch bags were sold at Alabama bus stops for snacks as travelers. Whoa. And Southerners would mail bags of home town clay to their friends and relatives who moved north and uh, some reports estimate that clay eating is a daily practice in over 200 cultures worldwide well you know there's something perhaps on a psychological and almost magical thinking uh, level where like the 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 earth that you were from Mm -hmm. that you would want to engage with like it i mean also reminds me of uh, dracula when dracula moved uh, to london from uh, transylvania uh, he had his native dirt shipped with him because mm-hmm. he needed he needed that dirt to really uh, to be. I mean, that was his home. He had to bring a, a chunk of his home with with right. him. And of course, we all do that when we travel. We want to bring a piece, not the dirt necessarily, the grave dirt, but we bring a piece of the place we were with us. You know. Well, and, yeah, and and depending on the area that you're in, you're going to have a different content in terms of minerals and, and other things that could potentially be helpful to someone. We'll talk more about that later. Oh yeah, it, it kind of comes right back around into some of the uh, discussions you hear involving, say, the consumption of local honey to deal with local pathogens. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. The, the idea that that you are essentially a local being, and the more you consume locally, the more in, in tune with, an, with the local ecosystem you're going to be. So this is a story uh, really about how widespread and common it is. In fact, um, you know, the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry decided that PICA couldn't be considered abnormal because it was so widespread and because it was associated with cultural practice, yes. practices as opposed to, uh, you know, some sort of OCD behavior. Right. Now, the question becomes, well, what's the deal with eating things that are non-nutritive or outside of the cultural norm that don't have anything to do with cultural practices or religious practices, for instance, like what's the deal with eating something like toilet paper? Um, where does where does that all fit into this? Because this is under the heading of pika, right? Isn't that the Japanese diet that Jenna Maroney was on on Thirty Rock? She could eat all the um, <laughs> right. she could eat all the uh, the uh, tissue paper or just paper. I think she wanted, but she could only eat paper. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, <clears throat> so, other than in pregnant women, chronic pika or this kind of um, you know, outside of, again, the cultural norm, PICA, is most common in people with developmental disabilities, including including autism. You mm-hmm. see this in children. Um, and typically the children are between the ages of two and three when this begins to surface. Uh, PICA also may surface in children who have had a brain injury affecting their development. And according to Kids Health, between 10 and 30% of kids ages one to six years have the eating disorder of PICA. And again, this is characterized by persistent and compulsive cravings that last for one month or longer to eat these non-food items. So naturally, if you have this compulsion to eat things that are not food, mm-hmm. it can wreak havoc on your digestive system. And uh, there's, uh, there's actually been an uptick in this. 
in yeah, recent years. Yeah, a huge one. Uh, the study by the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality found that hospitalizations for PICA in a 10-year span jumped 93%. That is huge. So what happens is that people are hospitalized for a laundry list of problems, including obstruction of the bowel or mm. airways from consuming or choking on stuff like hair, uh, high blood pressure, high levels of sodium salts in the blood, and abnormal liver functions because of uh, consuming huge quantities of something like baking powder. Yeah. So, again, the the list of uh, PICA items is, you know, you'll get some lists, and they're 20 items long, 30 items long, and they range anywhere from, like, you know, chalk, again, hair, you know, chomping, chomping on uh, matchsticks or... Uh, yeah, or people trying to uh, to get into the Guinness Book. There, You have a certain subset of people who are always trying to do things like, can I pass an entire toy train through my digestive system piece by piece? So they'll take something big... Take it apart. I think people have done this with cars before. Like mm-hmm. whole car, the idea is, can I consume a car piece by piece and pass it through my body? Does it come out all together on the other end? Yeah, it just naturally assumes <laughs> it comes out whole. I don't know how they do it, but I, I mean, maybe it's sort of a, a sense of power in that. It's mm-hmm. like, like you're not so tough, Volkswagen. I can eat you in small pieces, but I can still eat you. I don't know. Well, when I hear about things like that, I always think that. That's one of those things where you feel like you have a measure of control over your life, right? Yeah. So everything else could be spiraling, spiraling out of control, and then you begin to obsess on this one thing that you can control. So it's sort of interesting in that if you look at um, PICA and you look at it in the OCD spectrum, it very well may be related to that, especially because they've taken studies of people with PICA and they've given them, they've given them the SSRIs, the serotonin um, uptake inhibitors, right? That help to balance out the serotonin in your brain. These are largely a class of antidepressants, and they have found that that is really effective for people with PICA. It helps to curb their behaviors or their compulsions to do this. So there's this idea that it is existing on that that spectrum. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to press on. With uh, with dirt eating, with uh, mineral eating, and uh, and some of the di- the uh, the vitamin uh, deficiency elements of this uh, situation. All right, we're back, and uh, you know as we mentioned earlier, eating dirt, eating things that are essentially the earth, are not uh, that crazy when you think about the fact that we put salt. In our food, we, mm-hmm. we, we use various minerals in our cooking and in our medication. So we are doing it. Ev- everyone is doing some of this anyway, perhaps just in a more elegant fashion. Well, uh, think about stomach upset, right? Are you right. familiar with kaopectate? Yes. Okay. Well, that has something called kaolin in it, and uh, kaolin is really helpful. It's in clay, and it can combat diarrhea because it forms a protective coating in the lining of the intestine and binds bacteria there. So, in some parts of Nigeria, you see people eating this kaolinite, this kind of clay. Yeah, the idea that you're eating this to ramp up the protection in your gut against mm-hmm. something that you just ate. You you see various animals that do this after they have consumed um, a toxic plant or a semi-toxic plant, something that if they just ate it by itself, it would just become increasingly more of a problem. It would cause diarrhea, etc. And uh, I, I've read ex- some explanations of this where they, they essentially say that it's, it's us refusing to be bossed around by plants because... Plants are ultimately have it figured out. I mean, there are plants that have that grow everywhere now because they have 
and I hate to personify evolution too much, but or personify plants, but they've essentially figured it out. Mm-hmm. It's you know they they know people need potatoes, they know people need uh, <laughs> um, you know illicit substances that they produce, and it's they they kind of they they gain the system to their advantage. So vegetation that has a, a fruit that is toxic or slightly to- toxic, uh, they're telling us where we can eat them, when we can eat them, how much we can eat them, and who can eat them, and so. The, the ability to consume clay um, or some other substance uh, is essentially our way of saying, actually, I'm going to decide when I'm going to eat you and how much of you I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. Right, because I figured out a way. You're gaming me, and I've figured out a way to game you yeah. so that I can still get some sort of food resource. Yeah, that's the, the, whole, uh, the whole evolutionary battle uh, in essence. Now, um, pica is thought to be associated with low levels of iron in some people, um, calcium, zinc, and vitamin C. And uh, pica may appear in as many as half of those with iron deficiency and has been reported in about 20% of pregnant women. And a study in France found that among 79 patients with iron deficiency anemia, uh, excuse me, anemia, 44% reported the regular ingestion of non-food items, while only 9% of the non-anemic subjects in the control reported this behavior. So already you're seeing here that there's there's a pretty good amount of data that is saying that people are sometimes seeking it out and sometimes uh, n- not even uh, you know unbeknownst themselves, right? Yeah, because the body is saying, we need this. Right. We, we need an intake of this substance or this substance. We need more iron. Go find it. And... Instinctively, we know where iron occurs. Right, and that's when, when you think about pica, you tend to think again back to pregnant women or mm-hmm. children who there there are studies that show that they do have a low level of these vitamins or, and are perhaps seeking it out. Yeah, children are growing; they need some. They need more vitamins to to grow. You see that in the animal kingdom as well. For instance, deer uh, during antler growth period, mm-hmm. there, you know, there's a lot of tissue growth going on pretty rapidly. So you'll see them eat calcium and magnesium rich soils during that time. Yeah. And if you think that uh, that the, the pregnant women and the children are just sort of, you know, an anomaly or a one off, uh, this is really interesting. There's a study that was published in the 2011 quarterly review for biology. And again, it looked at PICA in pregnant women and pre-adolescent children and it found that they are also the most sensitive to parasites and pathogens. So Cornell University researcher Sarah Young, who is also the study's lead author, she put together a database of more than 480 uh, cultural accounts of geophagy. And the database includes as many details as possible about the circumstance circumstances under which the dirt was consumed and by whom. And then they found, again, that not only was it pregnant women and kids who engaged in the dirt eating, it was far more prevalent in tropical climates because this is where you have many more foodborne microbes that are that are very abundant. And, uh, and they found that these two groups of people tended to eat the dirt during a gastrointestinal distress. So the story that's painted here is that this dirt eating is helping to keep those pathogens and those parasites at bay in those different cultures mm-hmm. and protecting against these two groups that are so sensitive to them. And I thought this was interesting. Uh, Young who said in her study, we hope readers agree that it's time to stop regarding geophagy as a bizarre, non-adaptive, gustatory mistake. So in this realm, you see it not as, uh, you know, something that's a compulsion 
or perhaps part of the OCD spectrum, but mm-hmm. more, again, lining up with what the body is needing or trying to guard itself against. Or, as you say, gaming what's around you, right? Yeah. Gaming those parasites or pathogens. And as we've discussed before, I mean, it also comes back to understanding the mind-body connection, realizing that our that uh, there's more going on in our bodies, that our body is not just a, a, a magic throne that our brain rides in, but it is part and parcel to who we are. And the more we understand about its cravings and its needs and its desires, uh, in terms of, uh, in this case, in terms of minerals um, and uh, and clays and, and whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, the more we understand how we work. And then we know that, that this kind of behavior is not something that stands outside of ourselves, but is a part of the experience. Yeah. And I, I like this topic, too, because you do start to look at it in these very different ways, the cultural aspect way, the, the, the body and just what it can do and game for itself and how nature can game you as well. Yeah. And then, of course, the psychological element to it, um, where you see it with kids and autism and so on and so forth. Yeah. Now, we'd be remiss if we did not mention... Um, some of the uh, the dirt aficionados out there, particularly in the uh, the wine tasting world. That's right. Yes. Now this is a French term, and your French is better than than mine. It is terroir. Terroir. Actually, I was thinking. I'm not yeah. quite sure if I know that. The, it's T E R R O I R, which of course means earth. Yeah, and this is the idea that as someone who really knows their wine, they get a sense of the earth in which uh, the the grapes were grown. So it's kind of that Dracula thing again. Uh, this, <laughs> this, uh, the, the the earth that the grapes came from that were transformed into this this elegant wine. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of that, and and certainly, I mean, it it makes sense to a large uh, point because the the, the actual um, components of earth vary from one from one location to the next. Anyone who's ever uh, engaged in some serious planting of trees, like we're uh, my wife and I are currently um, having a, a few fruit trees put in our backyard. Um, did a trade with uh, somebody, and uh, and and you know we're learning that yeah you know, there are certain trees that grow in Georgian soil, and then you have to also think about uh, you know acidity levels and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot that goes into dirt. Not all dirt is just dirt. There are many different types. So so it, it makes sense. Uh, I've also um, heard uh, miroir mentioned, mm-hmm. and this is uh, the idea that the ocean. Uh, the, the the body of water from which of salt water from which something is uh, is harvested uh, seafood uh, that also plays into its taste and that uh, it's the it's part of the reason that uh, the people are so into uh, different sea salts that you have you don't just have you can yeah you can go to the grocery store and you can, you can buy just straight up sea salt but you can also buy a wide variety of sea salts from various parts of the world the idea being that the the salt the of of that ocean of that particular corner of the ocean uh, has a distinctive impact on taste so the next time you're at a dinner party i dare you as you are quaffing your wine to say that the you think the soil came from a low acidity grape grown mm-hmm. under the tendrils of the sun you can say tendrils of the sun. Tendrils of the sun. I uh-huh. like it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, perhaps even note that the, the, the meat was salted with uh, something from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. From the winds of the Pacific Northwest. I like it. You do? All right. All right. Well, you know, we're kind of pressed for time today, so I'm, I'm going to skip calling the robot over here with its, uh, with its listener mail. We will get back to that because I know we have a lot of disgusting snail mail. Uh, like, <laughs> not, not snail mail in the terms that it came in Um through the post office, but rather snail mail, and that it's about slugs and snails and gastropods being disgusting. Uh, and and I know you want to hear me read it and and gag. So we will get to that. Uh, I will real quick mention address a couple of things that uh, my wife, uh, who is a who's a regular listener, brought up. Uh, first of all, in a previous episode, I may have uh, sometimes I make these. I'm obviously I'm really into certain TV shows, 
You know, this episode I made a 30 Rock reference earlier, and I at least explained it. In a previous episode, I, I used the term Reaganing, and I just <laughs> need to, yeah. I do need to remind everyone that, that that I'm not trying I'm not dragging any kind of per- politics into the the episode. But in a particular episode of of 30 Rock, the conservative character um, Jack Donaghy mm-hmm. uses Reaganing. Uh, to describe a, a day in which everything is going right and he's like, nailing every task before him. So mm-hmm. in case anybody were wondering what in the heck I was talking about, I did owe you an explanation, and that is the explanation. And then likewise, multitasking. Uh, a classic example of multitasking that I did not bring up is uh, the use of an electric toothbrush. Um, I I regularly fight this uh, this particular temptation, and so does my wife, to grab the electric toothbrush, start using it, mm-hmm. and then do other things, like go check email or do some other morning task while brushing. And if you do that, of course, you end up not really brushing all that well. You're just kind of holding the brush in your mouth, and it's just kind of an, an, an empty procedure. And likewise, you're probably not doing a great job of the other thing either. So, And you're going to get cavities. Exactly. There so That's the moral of that story. Yes, the cautionary tale for everyone out there. So if you have some insight on any of these topics, but particularly uh, dirt, the consumption of dirt, the tasting of of a, of a foreign soil in a in the wine, or perhaps you're a vampire and you like to have your your native soil shipped in so that you may sleep in it. Everything's uh, open for conversation, so let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Tumblr. We are stuff to blow your mind on both of those, and on Twitter we go by the handle Blow the Mind. And you can always drop us a line at BlowTheMind at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 